This episode of Flip Flops and People Ops is brought to you by Pingboard. Likely some or all of your teams have been working remote and it's taking a huge toll on employee happiness. Why does that matter? Because unhappy employees will leave to try to find a better experience at another company. Power up your employees with Pingboard's employee networking software. It includes a simple peer recognition tool, employee directory, and other get-to-know-you features that help everyone feel engaged and connected no matter where they work. Try it with your team for free today. Visit pingboard.com to learn more. Coach, can you stop snoring, please? I love you so much, but you're snoring so loud. Today, we are talking about burnout. We're going to talk about what burnout is, common causes, some of the signs, and a couple of ways to manage it at your organization that really shows your employees that you're paying attention that you care about their mental health and that you want to help find a solution no matter what's causing their burnout. At the time I'm recording this, it's happening during the COVID pandemic, but a lot of these red flags and takeaways and the strategies for handling burnout will still serve your organization for years to come. In a 2020 Gallup report that I'll link out to in the show notes, it found that employees who say that they very often or always experience burnout at work are 63% more likely to take a sick day, 23% more likely to go to the emergency room, and 2.6 times more likely to be job hunting. So what that tells me is that when an employee's health suffers, then the organizational health suffers too. Whenever an employee leaves for a new job, you will then find yourself having to go through that time-consuming and expensive hiring process. So keeping your team and organization healthy starts with understanding what causes employee burnout in the first place. Burnout is a very vague term that can mean lots of different adjectives that can indicate where your business or your company needs to spend more time on that part of the employee experience. Your people could be overworked, just not excited about the work, not feeling like they have good relationships, lots of things. Burnout is also tricky because it doesn't normally happen overnight. On the surface, your team or a specific employee or yourself might seem fine. We'll get into some of the red flags of burnout in just a minute, but they're not always noticeable right away. The World Health Organization recently classified burnout as an occupational phenomenon and a hazard. They called it a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. The language that they use there puts the onus on the workplace. Employees get burned out when there's some kind of mismatch between what they expect from the organization and what they experience when working at the organization. And here are some examples. Someone feeling like they don't have a lot of control. They're not being treated fairly. Their workload level is too much. They don't have a sense of community. There's rewards being given out, but not being given out fairly. And the organizational values as a whole maybe aren't being lived. It could be a combination of one or two or all of those things. Hopefully it's not all, but it could be. And what's funny is these are all organizational issues, but we tend to make people think that it's their individual problem. We tell people, go take care of yourself. You seem burned out. It's not just an employee problem. It's an organizational problem that requires the leaders at an organization and the the mission of the organization to be part of the solution. When it comes to recognizing burnout, it's tricky because it's such a combination of things that someone could be feeling and for very different reasons. It's important to recognize too that burnout doesn't mean that someone's just stressed, but stress does play a part in the burnout. Stress is the bodily response to some kind of pressure from a life experience or a situation. There's different types of stress. 
Acute stress is the most common type. It's your fight or flight response where your symptoms disappear as soon as the stressor is gone. It's like freaking out about your 40th birthday or giving a demo to your whole company. Episodic stress occurs when it's basically just acute stress, but it occurs regularly and the person doesn't have time to recover from the stress, which then gives you a very low overall tolerance to, and just like an increased sensitivity to stress. So for me, this was when my son, God love him, he wouldn't sleep for the first two years of his life, but I figured, you know, he's going to grow up. He's going to grow out of this. So there was an end in sight, but it was something that we didn't always recover from to go right back into it the next day. And then there's chronic stress. That's the long-term stress from situations where a person feels that he or she does not have control over the outcome. And it causes serious effects to the mental and physical health of that person. A recent example of this is how a lot of remote workers were given a return by date of just one month when the pandemic first hit. Then it was pushed back another month. Then in May, big tech companies like Facebook and Google, they extended working from home to the end of the year. But in the meantime, people were left to figure out their new work from home arrangements largely on their own, and there was no end in sight. So what did we do to accidentally cause a lot of this burnout recently? Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Initially, we didn't give people control and flexibility. When the COVID pandemic first hit, it brought lots of different challenges. Childcare options were very limited and schools were closed. Grandparents were separated who might normally help with that situation. Parents were trying to homeschool while working from home. And I can tell you from experience, it's exhausting. If you had anyone else under your roof, at some point you had to go to your manager and say, I'm tapped out today, or I'm going to miss this meeting, or I'm going to miss this deadline. And it was just a really abrupt adjustment to have your home life and your work life meshed together, not seamlessly and very much so overnight. We also didn't really adjust people's workloads. Overwork was the most cited reason for burnout and decreased well-being in the pandemic. Without regular check-ins or the solid relationship between employees and managers to really explain that maybe tasks and assignments aren't being distributed in a way that makes sense, that drove teams into the ground. A lot of organizations also allowed way more meetings and unhealthy levels of screen time. Video calls are supposedly harder on us physically and mentally. The fact is our brains find it more challenging to process nonverbal cues like other people's body language and their facial expressions when they're talking. And it makes it really hard for us to stay relaxed during conversations. Add to it slight delays and someone always on mute. That's always me. The pandemic just really exaggerated a lot of burnout that was already there. But because the way that we work changed so quickly overnight, it made it so obvious where organizations are falling short on behalf of their employees. So what are some of the red flags that you or someone on your team might be burned out? Remember, it's not always an immediate change. So look for a gradual slip in any of these ways. A noticeable change in their quality of work at one point were contributing just fine. And now suddenly they are missing deadlines and missing details. And it's just not like their previous performance. Maybe they're becoming a little bit more cynical and just generally more negative in their conversations with you or with others. Again, that just might be something really subtle that you have to listen for. They might seem bored in group meetings, or maybe you're having a one-on-one and they're just not really paying attention, or they don't seem like they really care. They might be irritable. 
all of a sudden one day they might snap at you for no reason. And you're like, whoa, what is going on? And if they haven't taken a day off in four to six months or longer, that's definitely a sign that something's brewing. And that just doesn't seem healthy to not take a break for that long. So let's get into what you can do to see if your organization is suffering from burnout and then how to get to the why of what is causing the burnout. Make sure you're regularly sending employee satisfaction surveys. Employee burnout, like we said, it's just not always obvious. So you have to keep a constant pulse. It's not a once a year, once a quarter even kind of thing. I think it's best practice. And what I hear people say is at least monthly, if not bi-monthly, twice a month. But the biggest mistake is to focus exclusively on exhaustion with this survey. You don't want to ask a leading question. Hey, are you burned out? Because they're like, yeah, kind of. It's kind of like asking, are you a person? And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Now what? (laughs) You need to ask more of the why. There's lots of reasons somebody could be burned out. In your survey, you ask questions like, do you feel like your work is valued? Do you ever feel like you work harder than required? Do you have what you need to get your job done well? Those are just some very basic examples. And I will give you an example employee satisfaction survey in the show notes that you can download and use as a starting place. But you have to find a way to figure out where on the burnout spectrum your people are falling. It could mean after they take the survey that there are categories. So if a lot of people are feeling ineffective, then maybe there's some managerial training that needs to happen because the frontline employees don't have any autonomy to do their job and make decisions. If people are feeling overextended, then maybe, again, there should be some managerial training on how do you plan for projects? How are you scoping out things for your team to be successful? I'll tell you more about that in a minute. If people are just feeling like their work doesn't matter, then there might need to be some serious work done on the relationships at the company and finding ways to make everybody feel like a community. Someone could even feel unconfident in their abilities. Is unconfident a word? Let me Google it. Unconfident. Oh yeah, unconfident. Why did I think that wasn't a word? Well, anyway, they might just need some really basic extra training, either outside courses or revisiting something that they just don't feel proficient in. Maybe the onboarding wasn't good. And each of these organizational issues that could be causing burnout will have their own distinct course of action. So regularly be sending your employee satisfaction surveys and then figure out as a whole, where is your organization leaning? Are people more disengaged? Are they more overextended? Are they all feeling ineffective? Do they have any trust in the senior leadership or the the direction of the company? Those are all very different things. So here are some ideas to combat existing burnout and things to do in the future to even prevent it. Something to teach your managers to do in their one-on-one meetings, which one-on-ones are very important. So that's a whole other episode. One-on-ones should be happening at your organization with the employee and the person they report to. It's really important for relationship building, and I can teach you why soon. But in the one-on-one, make sure you teach your managers to ask non-work-related questions. And the reason for this is to show the employee that their manager cares about them outside of what they can contribute to work, but they really care about them as a person. And that's the foundational part of what makes them a great asset as an employee to the company. I'll give you some examples of these. Managers can ask their employees questions like, what's something you wish you had time for right now or a hobby you'd pursue in your personal life, but you haven't had time for it? Or tell me about a time you felt stressed recently. Or even, what's your least favorite part about your day? 
I also talked about leaders maybe not even recognizing that they themselves are burned out. So something to keep in mind is to make sure that the reporting structure at all levels of your organization, whether it's the CEO to the VP or, you know, a manager to a specialist, everyone needs to be asked these non-work related questions. Make it part of how you all grow together. Also make sure your managers are thinking about how they can give everyone a flex schedule. Every organization has some kind of frontline team member, or for us, it's our amazing help team who has to be available during certain hours. But one thing that one of our amazing managers, Colin, has done is make sure that his people have time to work on projects that they think will move the business forward. So there's always people available to talk to the customers who are writing in and have questions. And our team is still responding as fast as possible with solutions but he makes sure that every person has time for projects. And sometimes he's even the one stepping in as the leader who's willing to get on the front line. And it's a really cool leadership thing that he does. He steps in so one of his people can step back and do something different for a minute. And with my own boss, he knows that I just get up really early with my kids and it's easier for me to get them on the bus, go get some exercise, and then I start my workday. And he doesn't slack me out of my business hours because he knows that that would be a distraction from my foundation, which is my family and my my time at home that's not work. So there, there should be a way for everyone, no matter if they're on the front lines or if they're some kind of other individual contributor, work with them to find a way to give them some control. Either offer them some flexibility on when they start or give them some time to be autonomous and work on something different for the business. Just give them a choice. Let them be part of the process and figure it out with their manager. Here's another thing. Educate managers that it's okay to tell people to step away for a day. Sometimes you can just tell that someone's having an off day, whether you can read their body language in a meeting or they're just telling you that they didn't sleep well last night or they've got something else going on or you know, their air conditioner went out. A good manager can kind of sense like, hey, maybe today's not the day. You need to focus on yourself and maybe come back tomorrow and you'll feel better or you'll be ready. And it's not even a condemning thing. It's a human thing. Like, hey, go take care of yourself for today. It's okay. We can cover for you. You seem like maybe you just need some time to take care of yourself. So go do that. We'll be here when you get back. If your organization doesn't encourage that, I'd be curious why, but People are important and their mental health is critical. They're the asset that your organization needs to go forward. So if you don't take care of your people, it's like not getting an oil change and then wondering why your car breaks down. And also just make sure your leaders know not to assume that this is just a matter of, okay, so-and-so is just not very resilient. Especially right now, experiencing burnout is in no way an implication of someone's personal shortcomings. Now is just a really great time for you to encourage the managers at your company to collaborate and talk about respectfully anyone who might be experiencing burnout, compare notes about what kind of burnout it is, what you've done to help them, what you've tried that is or isn't working, and rely on the other people at the organization who are people managers to help come up with creative solutions to help these people. You all should really take a look at people's PTO time off too. Maybe you have unlimited vacation. In that case, the company I work for, Pingboard, we have a status tool so that you can still track unlimited vacation because people put a status about where they're at and when they'll be back. Tell people even just to take a week and be home. I know we can't go a lot of places right now, but people need to step away. Another thing we've done at Pingboard to manage our workloads, which I love, we operate in sprints and seasons. We know exactly what to work on and when. 
on my team, we take an entire week of planning to collaborate on what will happen in the next sprint. We scope out projects to every possible detail. And a week might sound like a long time, but when you've thought about all of the pitfalls and all of the things that happen on each individual project and the check-in points and the milestones and what are all the templates and attachments we need to get organized and get started. We take that week to just build all that out. So then when my sprint starts, I'm ready to go and I know what to work on. It's not perfect. And sometimes I don't finish every project in my sprint, but then my manager and I will talk about workload and say, okay, we took on too much. Where did we go wrong? How can we adjust this and make small improvements for the next time? Our managers at Pingboard really distribute our workloads very carefully for the sake of turning things in on time or hitting our OKRs, then they're very flexible with us. If someone doesn't hit their OKRs or they don't turn a project in on time, there's no huge slap on the wrist. It's a real partnership and the managers will work with us to figure out, okay, what did the organization contribute to, to cause this to fall short? What's happening in your life? I want to work with you to figure out how we overbooked you or like what projects you spent too much time on. It's exhausting for the employees. It's an inefficient way for the organization to operate. And it's like penny wise, pound foolish. Take the time to plan out team projects. Slow down. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. And I feel like I have a supportive sense of community with my stakeholders that I commonly work with on projects and my manager to figure out how we work at a reasonable pace, but still grow the company really fast. I've worked at organizations where it's just like, go, 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 go. (laughs) And then it's the end of the year. And then the next year starts and it's like, go, 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 go. And it wasn't intentional, but that's not a good employee experience. So really just take the time and figure out if your organization can find some kind of regular cadence where teams take time to plan. Planning makes the workloads more manageable. Also, this is something you could do that's really progressive, and I think a lot of people would appreciate whether or not they need it. Can you create a mental health resource page and just list some local outreach programs and mental health practitioners that are maybe even crisis specific, but give employees a resource. If I was feeling depressed, I'm actually not sure what I would do. I would probably go into Google and search depression and like spiral downward into trying to find someone who could help me. So spend the time and think about all the types of resources your people might need so that if they're having a very weak moment, they can use this resource quickly. You also might consider a peer-to-peer outreach program. You could train a couple people in mental health who can be activated as a support system for staff if there's a crisis. That way there's people in your organization who have been trained to basically just be a steadfast leader and give sound advice and kind of rally the troops and make sure everyone feels comforted and feels heard and that the organization stands behind them. Employees also need to feel inspired. So make sure that you're career mapping what the journey is for every employee at your organization. That's probably another podcast episode that I'd be happy to cover, but employees need a roadmap to understand what hoops to jump through and what things they need to accomplish in order to grow to the next level. That might be part of what's making them feel hopeless or like their wheels are spinning. Also, if you haven't, your organization needs to decide whether you guys are going to stay fully remote or go back in person with an adjusted footprint that's safe, six feet, you know, all the recommendations are being met, um, or some kind of hybrid model. Give your employees that light at the end of the tunnel to end the chronic stress that's underlying. 
if they don't know the answer of what the future is, that's stressful. Also, for the sake of being kind to your humans that are your employees, just realize things have changed. Obviously, over the last year, people had to get creative and come up with new ways of doing their jobs that might be more efficient post-pandemic. For example, we found at Paintboard that we could have a lot of meetings asynchronously in Slack. It was a lot more efficient. Some tasks that maybe didn't get done during the shutdown may not need to be done in the future. Don't go backwards or make the team feel like you didn't notice or that you don't care that they found a better way to do something. Don't be scared of embracing some of this change that they created and found on their own. So as we head out of the COVID era and it might feel like things are starting to get back to normal, remember that people who might seem okay on the outside might not be okay. So make sure you're taking the time to figure out the why behind everyone's burnout and come up with specific action plans and create a better, more effective work environment. That's the empathetic employee experience that your people will remember and tell others about. Make me smile. Okay, so for my next segment called Make Me Smile, I'm going to tell you guys about someone you should follow on LinkedIn. His name is Ernest Owusu. Ernest, I'm so sorry. We've never spoken for real, so I'm so sorry if I said your last name wrong. But he works at a company called Sixth Sense, and he's one of those people that can balance sharing about his family and sharing about his failures and sharing about his wins in a way that doesn't feel showy or in your face. Ernest, about a year ago, posted on LinkedIn that he had triplets, and it was right when the pandemic hit. His posts always crack me up, and he just has a really human way of giving really inspirational entertainment. And I just love it when he's in my feed and I love to see how he's encouraging his people and how he's leveraged his experience as an NFL athlete to then being a sales development leader. So I'll link out to his profile, but he just made me smile when his triplets were born and he was like, um, this just happened. So if your organization has SDRs, AEs, that was my dog shaking his ears. So if your organization has SDRs, AEs, or BDRs, you know, sales development representatives, account executives, business development representatives. Ernest is a great person for them to follow. I'll link out to his profile in the show notes. He's great at giving advice to people early in their sales career, and he loves to just give tips and tricks and drop knowledge on the hustle of the cold calling and repetition of people in the field of sales. So he's just a good person for the salespeople in your organization to look up to and to have in their network on LinkedIn. So you should tell them to go follow him. And this last segment is called My Two Cents. And it's where I give you a quick tip on how to be a better leader to your people. My tip this week came to me because my own boss, Cameron, did it. As a leader, try to find a way where you can jump in and get some street cred with your people. You've probably had a long career and you've likely done the job that they're doing in some capacity. So they'll really respect it if you can jump in and do a part of the job. Last week, I had to send an email, but we hadn't planned for it. But Cameron just jumped in and did it because he knows HubSpot. And that was just a boss move. And it just makes me respect that he can walk the walk and talk the talk. So don't take someone's work and not tell them you're going to do it because that would be frustrating. But find a way to contribute secretly that nobody was planning on doing the work or just jump in and ask where you can help and ask your team to delegate to you. Think about how you could take this back to your organization. How can you tell your sales leader, hey, jump in and make some cold calls and let your team listen in, record them if you want. I'm sure they'd love to hear how you used to do cold calls. Tell your head of engineering, can you write some code? Can you jump in on a project and show your team? I mean, maybe they sometimes do, but 
push your leaders to maybe have a pet project or something they can do to show their team that they've still got it. So that's it for today's episode. Remember, burnout can take lots of forms and it's really important for you to have a layer of empathy and training with your management team to recognize what's going on and figure out the best path forward for all the different things that your employees are experiencing. If you would like to be on the Make Me Smile segment, please email me. You can send an email to host at pingboard, P-I-N-G-B-O-A-R-D.com. Remember, Pingboard is the company that brings you the podcast. I'd love to hear from you guys on LinkedIn. And please tell everyone you know about this podcast if you think they'd get value from it. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. It's Christy. Make sure you go review the show on Apple Podcasts. More reviews means I get to spend more time making the show. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So send me your tips, your questions, or anything else. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Christy Hoffman. See you next time. 